All right, good morning. My wife texted me last Sunday when I was in India. She's like, we had 86. It was awesome. I said, yeah, we'll probably be like back down next week because I'll be back. Looky here, you know, that, 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 was, that, was, that was true. You know, Crosspoint, we do everything opposite. You know, when the pastor's away, um, everybody shows up. Maybe I need to think this one through here. I don't, maybe I need to take a hint or something. At least the locks weren't changed. I don't think. I didn't have to unlock, so. <laughs> you were really tired? Well, I'm kind of tired this morning. I don't feel, feel very good. I forgot to take my naproxen this morning, so I've got a pain in the neck, which is usually what's talked about about me. But um, uh, anyway, so thank you to Paul and PA who filled in uh, preaching-wise. Um, uh, you're like, what's wrong with Phil? Like, did he get booted from the uh, teaching team? No, he just got sick his, his week that he was, he was supposed to teach. So Paul filled in on, on, uh, on late notice. We we called for the lefty and for the bullpen uh, there, and um, he, he came in. So thank you, uh, uh, Paul and PA. Man, they, they did a terrific job, excellent job. Um, you know, uh, PA, this is the second time he's preached, uh, was, was last week. So those of you that don't know that, this is the second time he preached ever. Now, the first time, the first time it was just kind of like, hey, bro, you're preaching. Have fun. You know, this is your grandfather, right? Or father, your dad. Your dad, so I guess dads can do that, right, to, to kids. And then, um, and so uh, this past time, we, we, I gave him a few more days um, in advance notice uh, for, for that. So uh, thank you all. Uh, I, I, I've got a question for uh, us that I think I, I want all of us, I think really God uh, wants us to wrestle with uh, today. Are you a giver or are you a give-upper? Are you a giver or give-upper? Give, give, give uh, and I'm going <laughs> to... I'm actually going to ask another question. It has everything to do with food. That's kind of the theme of this, this, this morning. Um, uh, we didn't talk this through. Uh, but um, uh, food. Uh, how many of you ate breakfast this morning? Ate breakfast? Ate breakfast? Something that looks like breakfast this morning. Okay, good. Uh, I, I, I have a pre-service uh, uh, ritual as long as we have the cereal in, in, in our cabinet. It's, um, I eat eggs and I eat checks. Uh, rice checks, rice checks every Sunday uh, that it fills me up. Uh, it doesn't give me, you know, uh, rice checks are gluten-free, so it doesn't give me that, you know, dip, sugared, car, you know, carb dip, you know, and you feel weird, ah, and stuff, and, and eggs, you know, you get your protein and, 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 and everything, and so, uh, anybody, eggs, eggs this morning, eggs, anybody, just me, just me, okay, we got some eggs, well, of course, you know, Cheryl, mother-in-law, I fixed her eggs this morning, so, uh, <clears throat> so, um, my breakfast, my breakfast uh, was a, let's leave the cereal out of it. My breakfast was a, uh, a giving breakfast. If I wanted to, I could, I could go and find the chicken that gave me my eggs this morning. If I wanted to, I'm not going to, but if I wanted to, I could go do that because theoretically, uh, this chicken is still living, right? She just, you know, plopped out an egg, <laughs> plopped out an egg and she went about her business, right? <clears throat> How many of you, uh, ham, sausage, bacon, anybody bacon this morning? Bacon, bacon. You, you, had, you had a give up breakfast. <laughs> if you wanted to go find your pig, you couldn't. You found your pig. <laughs> it's in my belly, right? Yeah, yeah, because you haven't had time for anything else. Okay, so uh, it's, still, it's still right there going through this process. 
uh, a chicken will give up for your, or give to your breakfast, but your pig will give up for your breakfast. Are you a giver or a give upper? Basically, I'm asking you, are you a chicken or a pig? <laughs> this morning. So just, you know, <laughs> getting our insults out of the way. So both of them, you know, not good. So um, we're in Matthew 23. We're, the, we're taking a look at this sermon that Jesus preached. It, uh, really one of his only hellfire and brimstone sermons that he preached. And it was to the religious people, the religious folks. And we started a few weeks back with losing my religion of Jesus wanted these guys to lose their religion. And so if you've had a hard time with church and a hard time with religion and a hard time with God or struggling with that now, I want to tell you something. Jesus wants you and Jesus wants me to lose our religion. He, has, he doesn't want us to have anything to do with religion. Actually, the word religion in the, in the Bible only has a positive connotation one time, and that's in James. Uh, but uh, he wants us to lose our religion. He started with losing our religious pride, and that's where it all stems from. We all have religious pride. The longer we've been in church, the more susceptible we are to religious pride. And then uh, Paul took us through that when we have religious pride, <laughs> it becomes hard to evangelize, Right? Because really, really hard to evangelize. In fact, our country is seeing this right now. Just go to Facebook. Wow, it got tense really fast, right? <clears throat> Mention Facebook and cultural things. <laughs> then we went to PA, talked about our hollow words, losing our hollow words. PA, uh, aren't you glad that I gave you the lying week instead of the giving week that we're in this week? Like, amen, brother. I thought that was tough, but you can have right that. Go right, right ahead. And so we looked at hollow words. The religious, the religious have to say certain words in order to look good, right? We got to put out this front in order to in, in, in order to look good, and that's what they did. And they did certain oaths and stuff to look good, but they could break their promises because they did their oaths in a certain way. And this week we're taking a look at religious giving, and so some of you are like, oh, of course, money and church, blah blah blah. Well, just hang with me here. I, disclaimer, I did not put myself on a timer at all this week when I practiced the sermon, because I practiced the sermon mostly on the road in the eight plus five, 13 hours I've spent driving since Friday. So Matthew 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious laws and you uh, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more uh, important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith or faithfulness. You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides. You strain your water so you don't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. He's talking about the difference between giving and giving up. Now, the Pharisees, I mean, they were awesome givers. When they showed up to church, the temple, their church or the synagogue, they went to their spice rack. I don't know, maybe they, you know, we're talking about herbs. Maybe they got out their razor blade and like split up the tenth of their spice rack and their herb rack and, 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 and scrape that into whatever they would bring that to the temple with and, and give that to the temple. Now, <laughs> Don't show up next week with like a, you know, bottle of paprika or pepper or something. Our, our poor counting team would have no earthly idea what to do with that. Actually, maybe some of them would. They're like, I'm going to bake me some. Anyway, 
We, ju- we, don't, we, we don't have a box for that in our Excel spreadsheet, all right? You know, $1,700 and a thing of pepper. Just don't do that. Just give us the dollar, okay? We'll buy our own stinking pepper. Um, but they were awesome givers. They gave on their herbs. It's good news for Colorado, right? Anyway, uh, they gave on their herbs, even. Jesus is like, it's not a bad thing per se, but you're missing the most important part. You see, givers, givers, these guys in this context, givers, they give to get something back. They want to be seen as impressive givers. I give them my spices and my herbs. I give so that I can get something back. We see this in another spot in, 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 in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus talks about how, how they come to the temple with their gifts and they blow their trumpets so that people can see that they're giving. Now, we, we established this. We don't give you know, via herbs and spices and, 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 and stuff today. So what does this look like today? If you've ever, if you've ever had a knockdown, drag out debate about tithing on net or gross income, you might be a giver. You want something back. You want to be seen as impressive. I give on more in my income than you do. If you've ever called a church secretary to belittle them about how she messed up on your giving record, you're a giver. You want something back. You want the IRX tax return back. Like, Really? That's, that's the reward? Okay, we'll give you your extra $200 on your giving record and applaud you. Now, this is a true story. Sitting in my office one day as a youth minister in a previous church, the secretary came in and goes, you, I just can't believe what happened. Somebody called me to chew me out about getting the tax record wrong. Again, if that's what you want your reward to be, go right ahead. You're a giver. You want something back in return. Now, we want to be accurate. We want to work with you. But don't chew somebody out over it. If you've ever given $10 thinking that you'll get a $100 check back in return because that preacher said you would, you might be a giver. God is not a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme. When we give looking for getting something back, we're a giver in this context. Now, we've got to plan words, okay? So somebody else uses the word giver and et cetera. We've got to plan words here that we're working with this morning. So in this context, you, you, you're a giver when you want something back. And Jesus says, you've strained out a gnat, but you swallowed a camel. Now, I mean, let's modernize this, this, this metaphor here. You've, you've, you've gotten your, 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 your gnat out of your drink, but really you're drinking liquid poop. Like, congratulations, you got your gnat out of there. But you're drinking poop. You're missing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is being a give-upper. This is a matter of the heart. This is what Jesus is getting at with this entire sermon. It's a matter of the heart. Is our heart changed? Am I somebody that has given up my life? And he talks about this. The weightier 
aspects of the law rather than giving and tithing and etc. is, are you looking to establish justice, mercy, and faithfulness? Justice, balancing the scales. The scales are, are tilted in, 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 in somebody's favor and thus not tilted in somebody else's you know, favor, distilted in somebody's favor, that they, they have to climb up a mountain just to be on equal ground. Mercy, that we have the compassion to make the scales come back to level. And faithfulness, that we have the longevity to see through it or to see it through. That we don't just, it's not just a flash in the pan, emotional response, that we actually want to see it through, and that we will work tire, tirelessly to even the scales. That's just this mercy and faith. And if you're a give-upper, this is why you give, is to even the scales. It's the giving of our heart and life for somebody else. It's not, it's not a, in a check. It's not in a cash. It's not in, 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 in giving via a realm. It's not, it's not even giving financially. The giving of our heart and life for someone else. Paul has an equation for give uppers. It's, in, it's found in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith and your gift to speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. The, 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 the giving equation is this, and I didn't, don't have this written down uh, in my notes, Phil, so I'm going to follow along here. There, good, sweet. Giving up equation is severe test of affliction plus abundance of joy plus extreme poverty plus begging to participate plus giving beyond your means equals a wealth of generosity. This is the church in Macedonia, which is the church, really probably the church of Philippi that Paul is talking about. They were a poor church, but they begged Paul to be able to give to the, to the Christians in Jerusalem because they were going through a famine. They're like, no, no, no. I, I envision Paul actually saying, no, I do not want you to give. You do not have the money to give. And the Philippian church going, no, Paul, we want to give to this. They are begging Paul. They have got a severe test of affliction. They are poor, but they have an abundance of joy, and they beg Paul to participate. That's a wealth of generosity. Now, the Corinthian church was wealthier, was wealthier than Philippian church, but they drugged their feet in giving to Jerusalem. They said, kind of coming back, tying the two weeks together, they said, yeah, 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 we'll give. And then they drugged their feet, kind of being slow on their promise. And Paul is using the story from Macedonia to, be, to say, hey, guys, let's get it in gear, fellas. Come on now. 
You guys have the means to be able to give. These people don't, but you're dragging your feet. This is the equation of generosity. This is the equation of what it looks like to be a give-upper. Now, we all have room to grow. We all have room to grow. And this is a scary equation, right? But the Bible has also given us um, instruction on where to give as well and to whom to give. First, the church or God's people. Some of you might be like, ah, here we go. Here's that part. Well, God's given us instruction. Exodus uh, 35, 36, and we'll, we'll, look at this, we'll look at this in a separate sermon later on in the summer, but God told Moses to collect from the people gold and silver, and, uh, you know, precious metals, and also tapestries and cloth and, and yarn to build the temple, to bring the goods together, to build the temple, to, to be the first house of worship for his people. And then as, as I was studying for this, I was looking at Leviticus, expecting to see the word tithe in Leviticus. But in the headings, I, I never saw the word tithe, which was, was kind of surprised me that the word tithe was never in Leviticus. I mean, I, I would expect it to be in Leviticus. So <clears throat> I got the version, you know, uh, app out and, and, and did a search on tithe. The first time tithe, the word tithe is seen in the Bible is actually Numbers 18. And it's actually talking about for, for the 12 tribes of Israel that they got an inheritance of land from the Lord. And they were to work the land and, and work their craft and, 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 and earn a living through working the land and working their craft. But they were to bring a tenth, a tenth of everything that they earned, either from the land or from the craft, and bring it to the 13th tribe of Israel. Some of you, you know, biblical scholars or whatnot, you're like, wait a minute, I thought there was only 12. No, there was another one. There's a tribe of the Levites. These were the priests. They did not receive an inheritance of land. Instead, they were the ones that connected people to God and led people to God. They were not to go out and farm and have a craft. Their craft was leading people to God. And the other 12 tribes were to bring their tenth, tenth of everything else to the priests so that that was the priest's inheritance, the minister's inheritance. And then the priests were to tithe on the tenth that they got. And really, I mean, this is what we see now. I mean, God's brilliance, I mean, what, 300 years ago that he set this up, and this is still what we're doing today, right? Like, my eggs are in a, one basket. I have an undergraduate degree in religious studies. I have a graduate degree in religious studies. Chris, how many religious studies guys are you looking to hire for Cadoba? Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. But in the New Testament, we follow this in the New Testament, we see that Paul, Paul actually told Corinth in 1 Corinthians 9, I gave up my right to 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 receive a payment for you in order to establish this church, not to be a burden on you. So Paul was a tent maker. 
And that's what refereeing is for me, a kind of a tent-making deal. This is what, when we hear the word bivocational minister, this is kind of that deal of, of a minister uh, uh, not taking kind of a full salary in order to not be a burden on the church. But Paul also said, hey, look, when Peter comes to town with his family, the same Peter, that the disciple of Jesus, when Peter comes to town with his family, you better take good care of him. Saying, I gave up my right, but you better take care of Peter. Paul's philosophy, Paul's strategy was he would, he would establish a church, not take a salary, tent make, go on to the next church that he was starting, but that previous church would pay, basically pay it forward to help support Paul in the next city. That's kind of what we see in the church planting movement today. But for those of you that, that are kind of, you know, didn't grow up in church and don't know, like, I mean, obviously this takes money, right? Like, we have rent, we have utilities. This is the system in which this occurs. For those of you, I mean, those of us that grew up in church, like, we just know. Not over, everybody just knows. And God set this up back 3,000 years ago with his first people that he gathered together as a nation. This is how my people are going to function and be able to have money and goods and resources to be able to function. And the justice is, the justice is, there are people that the scales are tipped against their favor of finding God. I mean, we've heard stories this morning, right? That are tipped against their favor in being able to hear God. But we give that concept of season ticket holder. We give so that somebody that does not or has not had the chance to hear about God, we give so that the scales are tipped back to equal-ish so that they have a chance to hear from God. That we pay for our seat and we pay for somebody else's seat to be able to hear God. Last time they were here, uh, Nightlight was here, talked about a story about how, and we've shared this before too, about how, how, how people in the club think that church goes off of a cover charge. In order to go to church, you've got to pay a cover. And we want to be able to say, no, 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 I've got your cover. I've got your cover. You just connect with God. And that you have the mercy, you have the heartstrings to be able to say, I want to give so that somebody can hear. And the faithfulness, the longevity to say, we're going to make this happen. <laughs> Literally come hell or high water because hell has no place in this world. But another people that we give to is others. Others. Leviticus, Leviticus 25 goes into a lot of detail about giving to others, all the way from, from releasing slaves to become free, to, to, to releasing land that you've bought, to the original family, to when your brother gets into a hard time, how to treat him and how to take care of him like a foreigner, sojourner. God expected, God expected his people to welcome in foreigners and sojourners to take care of them. It's all outlined in the law. You know that part that we get bored with and stop reading, right? All outlined. 
See, the law was about justice and, and mercy and faithfulness. And the justice is saying, look, 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 there's people in this world that the, that the scales are just tipped. We heard this this morning. You might be like, well, they made a decision. Get off your holy gas bag long enough to realize they've had a pimp in their life telling them exactly what to do. For years. They have the compassion to say, I want to tip the scales back to level playing ground. Because that pimp has a humongous influence in her life. It is her life. And the faithfulness to say, year and a half? Long haul, baby. See, this is why we kind of do this this way with our mission partners, that every six months we bring it up again because we don't want an emotional response of saying, yes, and then flame out. If we can get one or two every six months to step up and say, I'm in it for the long haul, that's a win. It's not about the emotional response. It's about the long haul and the faithfulness of saying, I'm going to give my life to tip the scales for other people in the direction. Republic Pregnancy care center, those single mothers, the scale, not in their favor. But their decision, who cares? It's in the past. How are we going to help her move forward? Take care of her and that baby inside of her. And have mercy and have faithfulness. Another person we give up for? God. Now, not in the way that you've heard it in the past. Your tithe is giving to God. It's giving to the church so that we can stay open. Leviticus 23 talks about how we give to God. It's through our time. Now, I geeked out. When I was studying this, I geeked out, geeked out and sent stuff to our team leads and elders like, man, look at this. I think you guys are going to think this is cool. Leviticus 23 is talking about all the festivals and festivities uh, throughout the year and weekly that, they, that the people of Israel were supposed to do. So it starts with the Sabbath. Every week they were supposed to take a day of rest to have a solemn assembly to the Lord. And then it goes through all the other festivals like Passover and the Day of Atonement and the Festival of Booths. And you're like, Booths? What, did I set up different booths? I know, we're Gentiles. We don't get it. But <laughs> that was good timing, wasn't it, P.A.? Like, I wanted to see you spit on that chair in front of you, so... But we don't have enough people here to this morning for you to actually spit on somebody. But anyway, that'd make church so worth it. Um, these festivals, and it starts with the weekly festival of the, uh, the Sabbath. But at the same time, I was reading this and go, these are supposed to be festivals, but we have this word, solemn assembly. When we see solemn assembly, what do we think of? A positive connotation, serious. <laughs> A negative connotation, boring, Right? But here we've got solemn assembly used in the same context of festival. The connotations are, are kind of at a conflict, right? So I decided to look up what solemn meant. I don't know Hebrew. There's guys way smarter than me that do. So I looked it up, and I've got Google. Come on. And you know what solemn means? Sacred or festive? Sacred or festive? I got to thinking, you know, in this context, 
I don't think it's or. I think it's and. Because he's talking about festivals, right? Sacred and festive. They're not mutually exclusive. That God has told us once a week, take a day off and have a festival for me. Those of you that struggle with God and wondering, you know, why on earth you would worship God, I mean, isn't that a big point in his direction? Tell you to take a day off from work to just have a festival? That's why we do the things that we do, the way that we do them here. So it's a little bit of a celebration of what God has done. Every single one of these, these festivals, either weekly or throughout the year, is about his provision. His provision spiritually and his provision physically. And he said, have a solemn assembly to the Lord. Give up your time to come celebrate what I've done in your life. Have a party. We've had that topic here before, haven't we? Have a party. Next Sunday mornings are supposed to be parties. Biblically. Leviticus 23 is where you can see that. Are you a giver? Or are you a give-upper? Are you a chicken? Are you a pig? Do you give to give something back? Look, we'll take your money. Your dollars still keeps the lights on, all right? But I want something more for you, and God wants something more for you. I heard Dave Ramsey say this week, givers, which in our context, give-uppers, have way more fun in life. To be honest, I need to have, I need to have more fun. <laughs> By being more of a give-upper. We all have room to grow here. And I believe that we have a church that have, has a heart of a give-upper. And that we want to grow in this area. And that we don't want to have spiritual pride and religion. To just give, just to give. But we want to get, be a people of give-uppers. Why? Well, isn't it true that for God so loved the world that He... Huh. Gave up. Because we have a God that's a give-upper. Right? Imagine what could happen. The church of give-uppers. Imagine what Facebook would look like right now. Only political statement this morning. This is as politics as it gets. Imagine what Facebook would look like right now. If the church was give-uppers. Instead of religious pious gas bag. Imagine what waitresses today would say about the church crowd if we were a group of give-uppers instead of givers wanting something in return. Imagine the impact that we would have on Republic in this world if we decided to be a group who will always grow 
in giving up our lives for somebody else because that's what our Savior did for us and them. To say people matter to God and people matter to us. So I'm going to give up my life for those people. Imagine that. Prayer work this week. God, show me who to give up my life for this week. Can we pray that this week? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I pray that you'll lead us into being a people of give-uppers. Because you first gave your life for us. That's an example. But as people who are transformed into your image, that is how you have transformed us to be. So countercultural. Help us to make an impact on people that's beyond what could happen because a group of people has said, I'm going to give up for others. Lead us in that. Grow us in that. It's your name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and stand with us as we worship the one who gave up his life for us.